Welcome to CBJ in 30, the official podcast of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Here's Bob McElligant. Welcome once again to the mailbag edition of CBJ in 30. I know it's usually the Monday mailbag today. It's a day late, but not a dollar short. That's because yesterday we were traveling. It was going to be hard to do it on a plane from Arizona. Actually, it was going to be impossible to do it with the Wi-Fi on that plane. So uh, here I am with you today, ready to answer all of your Blue Jackets questions. So if you haven't already sent your question to me on Twitter, at Bobby Max Sports, and many of you have. But if you haven't done that and you would like to ask your question live, all you have to do is request to be a speaker here on Twitter Spaces. If you're live with me on Twitter Spaces, just request to be a speaker. And I will bring you up and you can ask your question. It is really that simple to get done. All right. Let me, I'm not, I'm, I just came from a meeting and I'm not really sorted out. So bear with me while I do get sorted out and figure out where we are and what we're doing. I can tell you, at least we're back in Columbus, back in Columbus today. And the Blue Jackets uh, just got done practicing a little while ago, getting ready for a game on Thursday against the Minnesota Wild. Blue Jackets coming back after getting a win in Dallas. Pretty doggone impressive win in Dallas, as a matter of fact. That was on Saturday. And then on Sunday, they dropped one in overtime to the Arizona Coyotes. But again, an impressive loss, if there is such a thing as an impressive loss. It was impressive because the Blue Jackets fell behind 2 to nothing in the first period. And they rallied, and they came back, and they scored late in the third to tie the game at two before losing it in the overtime period. So they went on the road. There was the possibility of getting four points. They got three of the four. So you take that, you put it with the win that they got against the Winnipeg Jets right before they left. Put that right alongside uh, the game that they lost with under two seconds left to the New Jersey Devils. Put it alongside the game that they won in Toronto against the Leafs. And guess what? The Blue Jackets are doing pretty well in their last handful of games. I know what some of you are going to say. They're doing too well. What are they doing? Trying to get Connor Bedard. What are you doing? How can you win games? How can you pick up points? What's the matter with you? I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You cannot take competitive people and make them want to lose. You just can't. It's impossible. You play this game for a living. You play any game for a living. You want to win. The reason you got to where you are in life is because you are a competitor and you want to be the best of the best. You want to work hard. and You want to get paid off for it. And these guys, they're working hard now, and it is paying off. And it's funny. When I was uh, talking with some people earlier today as practice was starting, I said, have you ever seen a sport, not just a team, but have you seen a sport where a team can lose talent, where a team becomes less skilled? Let's be honest about this, okay? This is not putting down anybody individually, but this Blue Jackets team right now is less skilled than it was not just at the beginning of the year. Johnny Gaudreau didn't play over the weekend. It's less skilled than it was last week. Have you ever seen a sport where a team becomes less skilled and more competitive? How does that happen? Because I dare challenge you, in any other sport, well, I'm just 
when I say that, I'm talking football, baseball, basketball. Show me where a team loses players because of injury and some of their top players because of injury, and then as a team, they play better. It just doesn't happen. Not like not like it happens here. And everybody on the Blue Jackets, they've been saying the same thing throughout the course of the last four games. Well, you know, we just simplified things. Oh, you just simplified things. You just simplified. What does that mean? To, to break that down, what does it mean that you simplified things? I'll tell you what it means. Um, we're not trying to score highlight real goals. I talked with Brad Larson about this a number of games ago when we were talking about the Blue Jackets' lack of goal scoring at the time. And, and I asked him about guys that are passing up on opportunities to shoot the puck and holding on to it and trying to make highlight real plays. And his answer to me, he said, now what did you call those things? Oh, yeah, highlights. <laughs> they don't come easy. And the goal that is the rebound off the pads that gets stuffed home from the top of the crease while you're getting dumped on your backside, that goal counts as much as the goal that is just picked into the upper right-hand corner with a one-timer from the circle. It counts the same. It counts the same. But sometimes guys want the better-looking one. Sometimes they want the more impressive goal. It, well, that's, I shouldn't say it that way because sometimes that hard-fought goal is the more impressive goal. But sometimes they want the one that looks more, you know, it has more appeal to it. It's a sexier goal, you know? And there were, there were points this year where this team was trying to do that. You know, Patrick Laine loves getting those kind of goals. He had one of those goals on Sunday in Arizona. He's tied the game. And it was great. But the one before that that Boone Jenner got, how did he get that one? Tipped the puck in front of the net. Nick Blankenberg shot that he just got positioned in front of the net and he tipped it. And it goes in. So that game in particular had goals of each kind, right? The hardworking and the sexy goal. All in the same game. The weirdest game was the Saturday game. One of the weirdest games I've seen in my life. You know, it's the whole, uh, you know that saying that just when you think you've seen everything, dot, dot, dot. That's what that game was. That was a just when you think you've seen everything game. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll tell you what I mean. The Dallas Stars could have had a lead in that game, but they had a goal taken off the board. And then... Well, let's see. They could have tied the game and they had a goal taken off the board. Then they could have had the lead and they had a goal taken off the board. They had two of them that were nullified. One because the play was offside and one because there was goaltender interference. So Dallas finished the day with one goal and had three, quote unquote. So two goals were taken off the board for that one team. And then the Blue Jackets had a goal awarded when the puck never even went into the net. What? Yes, Eric Robinson had a breakaway late in the third period with the goaltender pulled, and uh, he got hooked and on his way to the empty net. So that's a penalty shot, but penalty shot with no goaltender in, 
Well, that's a hard one to miss. So they just go ahead and award you the goal. I said that to Eric after the game. Uh, we were done doing interviews, and he was uh, he was stretching outside the dressing room. And I said, uh, Robbie, have you ever been in a game like that? I mean, just think about it. One team had two goals that were disallowed, and you got a goal on a puck that never went into the net. <laughs> and he stopped in the middle of his stretch. He goes, you know what? I never thought about that. That's weird. Yes, it was weird. It was weird. But the weirder things get, the better they get around here, apparently. That's the way it is right now for the Blue Jackets. So, um, you know, you you just roll with it. Take it. You try to get better. I asked Brad Larson the other day, and I was joking, of course, when I asked him this. I said, what took you so long to get Vladislav Gavrikov out of the lineup? That's not a knock on Gabby. I'm just I'm kidding, right? I mean, he has been your best defenseman all year. You take him out of the lineup, and all of a sudden you're winning games. Why? It goes back to what I said earlier and what the players have been saying. They're just playing a more simple game. It's hard to play simple when you're starting a season where you just got Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason. You're putting him with Patrick Line and you're trying to get to see if they uh, get them together to see if they can work together and see if they can be a real scoring threat. It's hard to be simple when you're doing that because you want that to develop right away. You want to see it. You want to you want to bury other teams with that offensive ability right there between those two guys. So you're not playing simple. It's hard to do it when Patrick Line gets injured in the first game and misses a decent amount of time and then gets injured again and misses time. It's hard to do it when you lose Zach Wierenski for the entire season and games later Jake Bean falls to the same fate. It's hard to do when Adam Boquist is out for eight weeks and Nick Blankenberg's out for eight weeks. Why is it hard to do then? Well, it's hard to do because now you're bringing guys up from the American Hockey League that have little to no National Hockey League experience. You want them to play simple. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They're trying to figure out how to just play in the NHL. That's what they're trying to figure out. So it's hard to play simple when you're going through all of that. Now you have a lineup that is becoming set. And you have guys that have more experience. And now you can be more simple. And that's where the Blue Jackets are right now. I'm going to interrupt this whole thing just to bring you some breaking news, if you will. Uh, David Pagnota from the fourth period has just sent out a tweet. And here is the tweet. He says, Vladislav Gavrikov may be nearing the finish line. Per a source, the Blue Jackets and the Boston Bruins have the framework of a trade in place. Talk of a first and a third in that package. But Boston has to clear cap space. And one player I'm told they're shopping is Craig Smith. And that is one of two tweets, and I haven't seen the second tweet yet. Must still be typing the second tweet. So it's interesting. I had figured that the uh, the Bruins were going to be the team. Once the Leafs were out of it, I, I figured the Bruins were next up on the board. Oh, here's the second tweet. So the Bruins are talking. Uh, they're, they're looking at moving Craig Smith. 
David continues, and he says, the Blue Jackets won't wait forever. It's understood that if another team swoops in with a competitive or a better offer, they could go that route. So the ball is in Boston's court as they try to make the money work. Adding Gavrikov could surely eliminate Boston from the chicken talk. David Pagnota from the fourth period just tweeting that out as we do the show. I love when that stuff happens. Usually it happens right after the show's over. Right after I get done, that kind of stuff comes out. But today, it actually was timed well. So, perfect. So there's some cutting-edge news for you. And maybe, maybe, as I go through your questions here, maybe that will help to answer some of the questions. We shall see. All right, let's get to the questions. And again, if you... I. <laughs> I don't know here. Hold on. I've got to take my jacket off. I know normally it's time to put on my jacket, but it's time to take my jacket off. It is so hot in this room here. And I don't know why, because the rest of the rink is cold, but this room that I'm in happens to be sweltering. I'm, I'm going for the big words today. I'm all about the big words today. Sweltering, nullifying, all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm there. I'm into it. All right, let's see. Brian Edwards. Here we go. Brian's question. I'm sure that you've discussed this, but where do you stand on Yarmo going forward? I see him as A-plus in trades, but a D in contract negotiations and drafting. To me, we seem to be missing on our draft picks. Seem to be missing on our draft picks, says Brian. All right, Brian. I'm going gonna, gonna to pull something up here because I, I want to be accurate. I want to be accurate. But I'm going to go through something here in just a second. First of all, listen, yeah, he, he's been very good at making trades. He has. And, and I was just talking about a trade that he may be making in the near future. Uh, we see what he did when he got backed into a corner with uh, Seth Jones. He was able to make something out of that. Um, the two trades he made with Chicago were both terrific. Uh, you know, the first one getting Brandon Sod, the second one trading Brandon Sod back and getting Artemi Panarin. Those were those were great. All right, let's see. But to your thing about drafting, let's look at this roster that the Blue Jackets have right now. Uh, Emil Bemstrom. And I'm not talking about how much success this guy has had, any of these guys. I, I'm not talking about success that the players have had when it comes to points or or any of this stuff, okay? I am just talking about Draft picks. Emil Bemstrom, fourth-round draft pick of the Blue Jackets. Uh, Igor Chinikov, first-round draft pick. Liam Foodie, first-round draft pick. Boone Jenner, second-round draft pick. Kent Johnson, first-round draft pick. Kirill Marchenko was a, I want to say second. Yes, second-round draft pick. Um, where am I at? Almost got lost in, in the shuffle here. Uh, Carson Meyer, sixth-round draft pick. You've got uh, Cole Sillinger, first-round draft pick. And that's the forwards. And, again, I'm looking for guys that were drafted by the Blue Jackets, obviously. Obviously. And then you got, well, one guy skipped over there was Eric Robinson. They signed him as a college free agent. Uh, Tim Burney, sixth round 
draft pick for the Blue Jackets. And you've got uh, Nick Blankenberg, of course. You know where he came from. He was signed as a college-free agent. You've got, uh, you still have this guy right now, Vladislav Gavrikov, a six-round pick. A six-round pick that you might be able to flip for a first and a third right now. It's not bad. Uh, Andrew Peake, of course, is a draft pick, second-round draft pick, and Zach Wierenski was a first-round draft pick. And you've got Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens. And they were both draft picks of the Blue Jackets. Now, I'll give you this. Okay, Corposalo was not drafted by Yarmo. Before you say that to me, and Boone Jenner was not drafted by Yarmo. So so let me uh let me go through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So 12 players were Yarmo's picks, and they're all on this team right now. Doesn't sound so bad, does it? Doesn't sound so bad. Yeah, the Sonny Milano didn't work out. Yeah, the Kirby Reichel didn't work out. Yeah, the Marco Dano didn't work out. Yeah, the Alexander Winberg worked out to an extent. But what is my whole point in this whole long drug-out thing? My whole point to you is, Brian, that... I think the drafting is a little bit better than you're giving it credit for. I think it's a little bit better than you're giving it credit for. Lauren says, as players have returned to the lineup from injured reserve, have any of them stood out to you and how quickly they've made an impact? I'm thrilled to have Blankenberg and Boquist back. It's encouraging to see how good this team really can be when we have more guys from our original roster. Yeah, those two guys, especially Boquist here lately, you can tell that he's healthy again. You can tell he's feeling okay again. Um, he's starting to play well. And I think that he being paired up with Nick Blankenberg, not now, not before Gavrikov got taken out, or before Gavrikov got taken out, not since he's been taken out. But I think when he played with Blankenberg, it really was a wake-up call in a good way because Brad Larson wanted him to play a little bit more physical. He's never going to be a big physical guy. He's, that's not what he is. But they needed him to play a little bit harder than he had been playing. And when you get put with Nick Blankenberg, he's just going 100 miles an hour. And if you're not, I mean, if he's going 100, you better be at least going 85 to 90 because if you're not, it's going to look like you're doing absolutely nothing. And I think that that worked out well for Adam, to be honest with you, to play with him and have to turn his game up a notch. And then he's kept it there. Now his offense is starting to come back. So that's been impressive. Blankenberg, yeah, he's a difference maker. I don't know why he is. Well, just because he plays hard. I mean, normally you wouldn't look at a guy of his stature who plays defense in the National Hockey League and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that guy's an impact player. I'll bet he is. Well, he is because of the way that he plays. And he drags everybody else into it on that back end. All the other defensemen feel like I just described with Adam Boquist, I'm sure. Got to step it up. How You can't let him outplay you. You can't let him be more noticeable than you. Step it up. That's how I feel that when he plays, that that you have to approach it as another defenseman. So, Lauren, I, I, I agree with you. Those two guys are perfect examples of what you're talking about. Andy McLean says, the way Jonas Corposalo is playing, where do you think he lands by the deadline? Elvis has played better lately, but I still think Corpy's style fits the Blue Jackets. 
it look, it does, but we've talked about this, and we will talk about it until March 3rd comes and goes. He's on a one-year deal. He's an unrestricted free agent. He's playing extremely well right now. The whole thing is, I don't know what you're going to get for him. Are you going to get a fifth-round pick for him or something like that? Um, it, it's amazing to me. Like, I think that goaltenders should be able to command more. I think you should be able to say, hey, you need a goaltender. You, you're badly in need of a goaltender. You need to give me a first-round pick. And it doesn't seem like it happens with goaltenders, which is ironic because it's the most important position on the team. If you have a goaltender that gives up five a game and you can only score four a game, you lose, right? So it's, I don't know, it's mind-boggling to me in a way. But I, I still think that, you know, somebody is going to need him. I saw somewhere last night, and I don't know how much stock you can put into this or not. You know, somebody was saying that the Vegas Golden Knights are very interested. Well, they probably are. They've got injuries, and and they started the season having uh, lost Robin Leonard for the entire year. So that could be a potential fit, but um, I don't know. It's I, I think he I think he gets dealt as to where and what comes back the other way. I don't know. Here is a uh, here's a, a question that. Again, part of this uh, part of this is answered in the tweet that I read you earlier. B. Spangenberg says, uh, "Do you see the potential of bundling Gavrikov and Corposalo in a trade? We've seen that trend so far this deadline with other teams needing multiple positions, like O'Reilly and Achari, both going to Toronto, and Tarasenko and Mikola going to New York. The Oilers need help on defense and can't seem to get a save. For a good example." Perhaps. I mean, until anything is done, and again, that Boston trade is a potential. It's not as, uh, it's not like, it's not a done deal yet, obviously. That's what I just read to you. So maybe, maybe you could still do something and, and put those two in a package and go from there. I don't think it's likely because I I do think that Gavrikov in Boston is what's going to work out. So I don't think that's going to happen they have no problem with goaltenders there they're in good shape but you never know you never know if, if the Oilers were to call and say hey we would do this and we also want Corpus Allo along with Gavrikov and that would constitute maybe the uh you know as as it was said in the tweet if somebody swoops in with a better offer maybe that could be part of a better offer I don't know but I don't think it's likely but it's but it's still possible uh, let's see. Travis, two questions about the depth chart for next year. If Texier comes back, where does he fit in? And with the possibility of Dmitry Voronkov coming in next season, does the front office try to move Roslovic or Sillinger? I'll answer the second part first. If you're going to move either Roslovic or Sillinger, you move Roslovic because Sillinger is younger, under control for more years. He's had a bad season this year when it's come to points, but I think it's just a blip on the radar screen. I think he'll come back, and I think he'll come back strong. He's only a second-year player. That's the guy you're going to keep and you're going to develop. So the other guy would move if you were going to move one of those two. Uh, and, and this whole let's – just, let's just say something right now. Can I, can I make a rule about Alexander Texier? This is the rule I want to make. I made this rule a couple of years ago with Kirill Marchenko and Dmitry Voronkov. I said, I don't believe either of these guys is coming until I see them here. 
Now, Kirill Marchenko is here. I'm a believer. I was a doubting Thomas in all of that stuff, and I guess I'm still a doubting Thomas with Voronkov until he arrives next year. And then I'll talk about them all you want because they'll be a part of, they'll really be a part of what's going on. It won't be hypothetical. It'll be real. And I'll talk about them all you want. I don't want to talk about Alexander Texier at all because I don't have a guarantee he's coming back, and neither do you. And personally, I'll be shocked if he comes back. And that's not me saying he's not coming back. That, that's my opinion. I'll be shocked if he comes back. Would it be a pleasant shock? Of course it would be. But I ain't buying it until I see it. I'm just not. So I don't want to speculate on Texier stuff. I'll talk about Danforth coming back in. I'll talk about Chinikov coming back in. I'll talk about Nyquist coming back as a free agent and coming back in. I'll talk about that all you want because all of those people are actually here right now and could be gone and here again, some of them, one of them. So I'll talk about that all you want. I'm not talking about Alexander Texier. I'm not pieing the sky, wishing, hoping. Listen, the, Alexander Texier isn't Sidney Crosby, right? I mean, if he came back, would he make the team better? Potentially, perhaps. And that's not even a guarantee. I don't know what he's going to be like after he's been gone for a year playing in Europe. Is he going to be better? Is he going to be worse? Going to be the same? I don't know. He's not a savior. So I don't want to talk about him. I don't. When he comes back, I've just gotten to that point. So if you're mad about that reaction, be mad. I don't want to talk about him. It's all this speculation. And some people will say, well, I heard he was coming back. I, I heard he was only going for a year. That's not true. He's gone for this year. What happens after that is going to be between him and the team, and mostly between him because it's his decision. So I don't want to talk about him. I'm not going to talk about him. If I see the word Texier, I'm skipping it. I'm just going to skip it. <sighs> Next up, the good Reverend Rodriguez. <laughs> Good reverend right after I go on a rant. That makes sense. <laughs> the Blue Jackets uh, are currently the second youngest team in the NHL. Is Jarmo Kekalainen okay with having a large group of youngsters who can age and develop, or do you expect him to use the trade deadline and the offseason to garner players with experience? He's okay with them being young and developing together, and I'm okay with that. Now, that being said, listen to this. I am so sick of being the youngest team. In the National Hockey League, it's happened forever. And at some point, if you really want to win, you're going to have to get more experienced players. But that being said, I think you need Cole Sillinger and Kent Johnson and David Yurichek and I don't know who else, Chinikov, to get more experience. And then you can go from there. So then you can add some experienced guys. But... As of right now, I think he's just I think he's fine with that young group developing. Because guess what? Here's the thing. You're in last place or close to it. So what are you gonna go get more experienced players to do right now? Let these guys develop and let them you want them to learn how to win, and that's not going to happen this year. Unless some of them go down to Cleveland and they get in the playoffs and they have a chance for a playoff run. There's another one here. I know that uh B. Spangenberg had asked the question, but something else came in. 
It says Elliot Friedman discussed salary retention per the collective bargaining agreement. A team can only retain salary for a maximum of three years. That throws a wrench with Elvis's contract, but do you really want that dead cap for three years regardless? I they're not I don't see them. I don't know what they're going to do with Elvis. He has played better in the last couple of games. Uh, if Corpusalo does go via the trade route, then it's going to be Elvis's job for the rest of the year, and maybe they will. Uh, maybe they'll go from there. But I, I just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, buying him out—that's not an option. Trading and retaining salary—I, I don't know. Maybe just taking another guy that has a similar contract that. Uh, whether it be at a different position or something. But anyway, Duncan McLeod says, Voronkov is about 10 weeks away from signing with Columbus, so not much of a wait until that becomes a reality. On May 1st, his contract ends. All right, good. We'll talk about him in 10 weeks. Now, I do think he's coming, and I think that we will talk a lot about him, and I think he'll be a part of it, Duncan. I do. But again, if I'm going to be across the board, i got to be across the board. So in 10 weeks, we'll talk about them. Whatever you want. Optimistic Blue Jackets fan says, assuming equal value, do you think Yarmo prefers picks or prospects as return for trade? Would he rather bring somebody closer to the NHL or give his scouts a chance? Well, first of all, just because you get a pick doesn't mean that you're going to draft that position, right? Doesn't mean that at all. Say you get a first-round pick from the Bruins, Let's say you get a first-round and a third-round pick from the Bruins. Who's to say, by all means, you could take those two picks, put them together in a package to get somebody else from another team. So I think he prefers picks. It would depend on who the prospect is. If you got Look, if you haven't figured Yarmo out by now, after a decade, if he feels he gets the right player, he'll take the right player. But if not, take the picks. Because that doesn't mean you're going to draft with the pick. You can turn the pick into a trade. So we will uh, we'll see what happens. But I but I say he likes he likes picks. I think he loves picks. Actually, not that there's anything wrong with picks, as long as you pick the right guy. And if you do, you're golden. And if you don't, you have people wanting to grade him as a D for his drafting. Ah. Oh. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. Let's see. Let's go live to Twitter spaces and see what we can get from there. Erwin, first up today, how are you? Not bad. Still kind of reeling from last week when uh, somebody asked you for restaurant advice for Valentine's Day. Reeling in what way? Well, I'm sitting there thinking, when was the last time Bob ate somewhere besides the uh, press area dining room? Let me tell you something. I don't eat there very often anymore. I'd rather eat at home than eat there. Really? Yeah. Good I don't know what I, I don't know who's making the decisions there recently, but some of the dishes have been I just it's uh no. So in, in this case, now if we're talking a road game, Irwin, yes, I eat in the press room, but I I don't do it much at home anymore. Well, you said Carolina was good. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you add- what wasn't good. The two meals this weekend. The, the, you know, the whole thing about Arizona, playing in the college rink, that wasn't a problem. I, I didn't mind that. The press meal was very college, and I, I did not like that. 
Anyway, a couple of things I want to kind of hit on here that you've already talked about. I think the problem with trading Corpus Sallow is there's what he's worth to the Blue Jackets and then what he would be worth to somebody else. Here in Columbus, he's the number one goalie, but anywhere he might be sent, chances are he'd only be the backup. So while he's worth a lot to the Blue Jackets, he may not be worth so much to an acquiring team who, who may look at him and say he may not play much unless somebody gets hurt. He serves almost more as an insurance policy than anything. And I, I don't know. I mean, they could still move him, but they might not get what they want. And I, I think down deep, they don't really want to get rid of him. But if worse comes to worse, they can always pursue him in the off season. I know you got the situation with the Elvis contract, but you could also look at that and say, yeah, he could be moved one bad contract for another, or he could also possibly be moved in a package deal. So I think they're still trying to be creative with that. But yeah, I hate to see him go, but I, I don't think down deep they really want to move him that bad. No, I don't but think so. If, hey, hold on, hold on for one second, Irwin, because uh, Union and Blue just tweeted me and said, one correction on the retained salaries. It's not three years max. It's three retained salaries max. So the term of the retention is however many years are left on the contract. So just to clarify all that, like with Elvis, you could retain it for the four years that are left. It's just you can only do that three times. So sorry, I just wanted to get that out while we're still talking about that. But I, I agree with you. I don't think they want to trade him. But I, I, I'll tell you this as well. I think that if they feel it's the right thing for him, they're going to do it. Because I think in some ways, not that they owe him, uh, but, you know, they jerked him around pretty badly with the last uh, contract situation, the last two, actually. And, you know, then he got hurt, and he does, he does come back here, and they give him a chance to redeem himself, and he has redeemed himself. Um, so, you know, I think if, if there was a team, it will have to be something that's going to benefit the Blue Jackets, but also if it's something that might be a better situation for him throughout the rest of the year, I think they might do it for both reasons. Um, and then, yeah, depending upon the Elvis situation, I'd be calling, calling him again during free agency and seeing what, what it is there because just looking at it right now based on the way everybody has played, you know Tarasov's going to be here next year because he has to clear waivers to go back to the American Hockey League. So what tandem do you want? Do you want – and really, it's beyond tandem. Let's put it this way. Who do you want – being the the older guy helping Daniil Tarasov to develop. Do you want it to be Elvis or do you want it to be Corpus Salo? I think that factors in. But, again, the Elvis has the contract. So that's going to be – that is uh, – that's the tell right there. I mean, if, the, if there's nothing they can do with it, they just might have to bite down and hope that he can get back to where he was a couple of years ago. Right. The other thing, um, somebody mentioned the draft. I think Yarmo's done an outstanding job. If you go back to the 2018 draft, five years out so far, that has not been a good draft, except for the Blue Jackets. Yeah, Foodie hasn't been as good as you'd want to see, but you got Marchenko in that draft. You got Tarasov. You got Tim Burney. Uh, they had that uh, Vevelinen who they traded for Miko Lettinen. Uh, we didn't do too bad in that draft. A lot of other teams, not so much. If you go past Foodie, you see K. Andre Miller went to the Rangers about uh, third or fourth round. Sharon Govich, who scored a goal against us last week, has done fairly well for New Jersey. And beyond that, to this point, that has not been a real great draft. But the Blue Jackets did well in it. Yeah, I agree. Again, just the list that I, re I read off of guys that are on this team right now, I mean, it's, it's pretty homegrown, right? And if you're 
if you're not good at drafting, you're not going to have that many guys on your team. And and of all the guys that are here, like if you were to say to me, well, you've got so many injuries, there some guys are there just by default because you have to have people there. Yeah, Tim Bernie, I would probably say, wouldn't be here if all the defensemen were healthy this year. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But um, you know, beyond that, I you know, Foodie and Bemstrom, um, you know, they'd probably be up and down anyway throughout the course of the season. Yeah, one thing I have really liked about their recent play, you take a look at the teams they've been playing. They played Winnipeg twice this year, and Winnipeg is a very elite team offensively. You got uh, Ellers is having a great year. Morrissey's having a great year. You got Kyle Connor. You got Shifley, Wheeler, that Perfetti. They're a pretty darn good offensive team, but they only had two goals against the Blue Jackets this year. Not one was a five-on-five. They were both power play goals. I mean, they really shut Winnipeg down, and the same thing with Dallas. Dallas has two of the top five, or two of the top three, rather, five-on-five scoring lines in the National Hockey League, the top one being the line that Robertson's on. And they basically had just two goals against the Blue Jackets this year in five-on-five play. There was an empty net goal that Robertson scored in Columbus. But, I mean, they really shut the Stars down. And those two teams went into last weekend being one and two in the Western Conference. Uh, We're seeing glimpses of of what is going to be, and I like what I'm seeing. Yes, I agree with you. Um, I don't want to be spoiler here, but, um, you know, those teams that you're talking about, they should be winning games, but they also they also have room to have bad games too. And, you know, Dallas was in Minnesota the night before and went all the way to a shootout. I thought the Blue Jackets did a good, uh, a good job of taking advantage of that. Um, here's the thing. Those kind of playoff teams that are already kind of set, this is a, a – they can have a lull in their play right about now until after the trade deadline's over, too. So I don't want to diminish what the Blue Jackets have done, and I'm not saying you're wrong at all, but it also doesn't surprise me. If you're playing those two teams closer to the start of the playoffs where they're getting themselves ready, it might be a different game. Yeah. All right. Well, you have a good week. Nice talking to you. Good talking to you, Erwin. I appreciate it. Great to have you on board, as always. I know I said I didn't want to diminish it, and then what I said sounds like I'm diminishing it, but I'm just – I I try to be real. I try to be real. I tell you what I think. I, it doesn't mean that what I think is right all the time, just 98% of the time. <laughs> Jordan, next up on the show. Hello, Jordan. Jordan, where are you? You unmuted? Oh, my mic's been like – Oh, there you on. go. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's good to obviously everybody this week. Uh, I thought everybody played good in uh, in the road games between Dallas and Arizona. You know, I think I think we were letting a little bit more steam at the uh, end of the third period. I was. What were your thoughts on the game after Lonnie scored maybe the tying goal against the Coyotes? After he scored the, the tying goal. I don't think he did. I, I didn't look. I couldn't remember who scored the tying goal. No, no, he did. But what you mean, my thoughts on after that point? Yeah, yeah. Where we, oh, we where, did. Where there were two chances to win the game. Bemstrom had a breakaway yeah. and, and Robinson had a semi-breakaway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, my thoughts are a tie. They didn't settle for the tie. They were still pushing and, um, you know, giving themselves an opportunity to win the game. Um. Maybe there's a couple other guys I'd rather see with a puck on their stick in that situation <laughs> that are more consistent in that type of situation. But, uh, you know, all in all, I, 
I thought it was good. I thought they, they didn't just say, okay, we, we tied it. Now we can go to overtime. They kept on trying and darn near got the win. Yeah, and it just seemed like, you know, I, I think with us pushing into a, like, maybe into a spot, where do you see, you know, Foodie going to, like, if he were to get, you know, the possible trade, who would we get back in return? Like a like a conditional pick for 2023. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I thought Cor- even Elvis and Corpy were both stellar. I, I thought even Elvis kept his composure in, at Mullet Arena. He did. He did. I agree with you, and I think he's kept his composure a lot more lately. I, I think, and this is my personal opinion when it comes to Elvis, I think that him losing the starting role has been good for him, meaning I think he's come back down to earth a little bit. I think he, uh, and when I say that, I still think there's a part of Elvis to where he feels like he has to do everything, and that's not the case. You've got to let the other guys in front of you do some stuff too, and Right. And especially when they were struggling in front of him, you know, maybe he didn't have the trust factor there that he should have had. Um, but I think having to take a seat and watching Jonas Corposalo every night and what he's doing and how he's doing it and how the guys are responding to what he's doing and how he's doing it, I think that's been good for Elvis. Right, right. And it kind of gives Elvis a little more time to kind of give him a little more time to kind of give himself to kind of take a little time off after being in the Bahamas as well. But, there's you the, know, well, you know, yeah, well, but anyway, I look, there's no pressure now. There's, <laughs> there's no pressure on him except to, when he does go in and play, he's got to play well, but it's not it a, it's exactly. not a daily pressure right now for him. Right. Right. And, you know, I mean, every, everybody consistently, I mean, we're, we're playing a little bit better than we have been the last few games, but still, I mean, after all, I mean, you got to look into, you know, consistent games i mean we got the wild coming up i mean you don't expect the wild to kind of you know lay low i mean you expect them to play at a regular at a regular rate just like the bruins have been you know you know what i mean yeah well i hate the wild and i hope that they lose both games to the blue jackets this week connor bedard be damned uh i just you know i i just i don't know why i just i've never liked that i just never liked them Never liked them. So no. I, I and they've been they've been good and they've been bad and they've been bad more recently. So um if there's a game I'll be honest with you, Jordan. If there's a game the Blue Jackets were gonna win six to nothing, I hope it's Thursday. <laughs> good, good, good idea. I, I kinda thought that too, because you know, the last time I think we've been I mean, we even shut up the Hurricanes one one time and I remember that. That was that was a brutal game. <laughs> if I could recall that. Well, but yeah. He, you know, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I don't go to too many games as often as I like to, but I hope eventually I could see Patterson making his debut again, you know, more often in a jacket sweater. Well, uh, yeah, he's going to get to play a little bit more, and he's got to be better when he does play. And the poor guy ended up having two weeks off. I, you know, I'll give you that. But um, he's, in a, he's in a tough spot because he needs to play – and then he does play, and then the team is playing better, and and he's been one of the guys getting pinched out of the lineup. So we'll see what happens over these next couple of games uh, when it comes to their play and his play and how it all comes together. Jonathan, next up. Hello, Jonathan. How you doing today, Bob? Good. Good. Um, I wanted to talk about somebody that I feel like gets beaten up an awful lot 
uh, when when it comes to to the way that people kind of talk about them. And, and understandably so with with the eye test at times. But that's Jack Roslovic, because I know he has I mean, when he has turnovers, they can look pretty brutal uh, at, at times. I know when he's trying to do too much. But honestly, like I was kind of digging into the stats some and, and he's. I mean, actually one of the best players statistically for the Jackets, which I, I find kind of interesting too. So, I, you know, whether the Jackets won in long term or not, you definitely see why another team could see value in him, especially if they want to move him to the wing. What stats, are, what stats are you referring to specifically? I'm, I'm just asking. I'm not disagreeing yeah, yeah, with you. Yeah, I'm yeah. just asking. Sure. Uh, so his points. Uh, so like right now he is uh, fourth on the team in points um, with 30. I mean, only four goals, but he's got 26 assists. You know, he's, he's looking at a little over half, he's a little over half a point per game player. And again, that's unfortunately on this team, that's good enough to be number four yeah. uh, behind Goudreau, Line and Jenner. Um, but, but, you know, even this plus minus is, only, I mean, and I, I know plus minus is a crappy stat, but it's only a minus seven compared to a lot of others. I mean, you know, statistically across, across a lot of those kind of categories, like he's better than, than what obviously Sean Corrali and, and, uh, Cole Sillinger have been this year. And Sean Corrali, I know, gets a lot of defensive work and goes up against that. So, I mean, again, none of these stats and why stats are hard to say, like, are truly fair and easy to compare. It's not like, you know, hitting percentages necessarily. But, uh, you know, it's like, like I said, statistically, it doesn't look as bad as kind of what I was expecting it to, I guess. Yeah, that's that's fair. And you know what? When you talk about uh, another team being interested, I had somebody tell me, and this was a, was this a scout? I can't remember. It was somebody in the game. It was either a coach or a scout. You know, said to me, you know, if Jack Roslovic would just be a little bit more responsible with the puck, he could be a Matt Barzell type of a player. Like he's got he's got mm-hmm. that ability. It is the and I think the other day in Arizona it was a absolutely um, perfect point of what you're talking about. You know, he goes into the zone, doesn't have a play makes a smart play to come back outside of the zone and reset everything, and then he goes in and he turns the puck over immediately inside the blue line, and it results in a goal down at the other end. Um, you know, it's it's those kind of mistakes that have happened repeatedly is the why, you know, he gets so much grief. Um, but, you know, if he could just smooth that out and become a more consistent player to the positive side of it, those numbers you talked about are all going to go up, and he could be a very good player. It's it's just, um, you know, this is – I know when Winnipeg was here, I was talking to some of the people in their media, and they were asking me about Jack. And through our conversations, they said to me, uh, yeah, I've heard that a lot before. So, in other words, yeah, those are some of the things that were plaguing him in Winnipeg that are still plaguing him in Columbus. So, now, you know, if it happens one place, that's one thing. and once it gets to be more than once, it, it starts to become a, a habit or a, a trait. So, now I, I do agree with you. There are plenty of positives to Jack Roslovic. Um, it's just about getting him to show you the positive on a regular basis. Do you think that, um, I mean, obviously, depending, I don't think, I highly doubt he gets moved before the trade deadline. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I could see maybe a move during the summer. I could see But that. do you think that, there'd be any interest in, in just if they get, you know, Connor Bedard, Adam Pantilli, somebody who's ready to slot into the center position next year with Vronkov coming over, do you think that they would be interested in just taking a look at him on the wing where maybe that, again, that responsibility 
isn't quite as high. You know what I mean? Could be. Could be. But, you know, one of the things in Winnipeg that led to his departure from there is that he felt that he was a centerman and he wasn't getting a chance to play that position. So you can think he might be better as a winger, and I can think he might be better as a winger, and a coach might think he'd be better as a winger. But if he doesn't think he'd be better as a winger and he gets uh, aggravated because of it, then it's just not going to happen anyway. So that would be that would be interesting, but uh, yeah, look, if you end up getting in, in a, a Bedard or a Fantilli, you know, when you say a, a bona fide centerman, not, neither one's going to be next year, not at the beginning anyway. It's it's going to take time. Even if they play that position, they're not going to be playing it like they're going to play it a year and a half from when they start. So, and Jack would have more of the experience there, but. Um, but yeah, that would I could see other teams being interested. I agree with you. I think that would be a summertime thing as opposed to a deadline thing, uh, depending upon what's going on with other teams. You know, I talked about Barzell. He just got hurt, right? And he's out. Um, not saying that the Islanders would look at him and say, hey, maybe we can recapture the same kind of player here. But who knows? Maybe they would. But I, I think it would be more likely a summertime thing. And uh, I think I just personally, my opinion is that he'd probably be traded from here before playing the wing here. That's just how I feel about it right now. Sure, sure. And then real quick on Cole Sillinger. Yeah. Because I, I had, look, again, looking at the stats, man, it's been brutal for him this year. Yes. And uh, I just really hope that they send him down to Cleveland for his own sake at this point. Like, I just feel like he – I mean, I know he's played a little bit little bit better recently, but I still think him getting, like, top-line minutes in Cleveland would be a lot better for him at this point. Yeah, and he – again, I, I – of course, I've never asked him about it because who wants to talk about going to the minors, going to the American Hockey League? But uh, I, I think you're right. I think he could do him a lot of good. He would go there in a leadership type of a role just based upon how much time he spent in the National Hockey League. And uh, I think there are a lot of positives that could happen. Uh, Cleveland needs to get in the playoffs. They're only one point out of a playoff spot now. But that team has got to get into the playoffs. And this organization has to figure out how they can get some of those guys on that playoff roster so that they can go down there and hopefully make a long run. I, to me, that is imperative that players like Cole get a chance to experience that. They have to, on paper, be moved to the team roster by the trade deadline or around that. Is yes, that correct? That is correct. Be- yes, they have to be. It can be a paper transaction, uh, but they got to be on the list or they won't be eligible. That's correct. Sure. Cool. All right. Thanks a lot, Bob. All right, Jonathan. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Uh, Duncan says, seen a bit of Wierenski doing things around the arena and saw Voracek was at the Nagano anniversary celebration. Have you had any news or sightings of Jake Bean or Justin Danforth lately? It'd be nice to know what they've been up to and how they're doing. Yeah, I've seen them lately around the rink. They've been doing some skating. Even though they're not going to be able to come back and play, they have both been around and they've both been uh, skating a little bit, which is good to see. It's always good to see friendly faces return to the friendly confines. Of nationwide arena. Can you call it the friendly confines? I mean, every time I hear that, I think Wrigley Field, just because that's what it has been for years. That's how it's been referred to as years, the friendly confines. Hey, here's a programming note for you. Tomorrow on the Inside Edge, Columbus's own Sean Corrali will join me as the guest. Seven to eight tomorrow on the flagship station of the Blue Jackets Radio Network, 97.1 The Fan. So get ready for that. Thanks for all your questions today. Sorry I was a day late with the mailbag, but we got it done. Until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.